Simchas, that's right. All right, so today's daf is daf Mem Zayin, page 47 in the Hilgum Masechus Ksubis, and we pick up on the very top line of the daf. All right, now let's remind ourselves what we're working off of. So yesterday we learned the Mishnah on Mem Vav Amadbeis 46b. We learned the Mishnah telling us that a father is, um, a, a father has authority over marrying his young daughter off, whether it's with money, whether it's with document, whether it's through having relations, and he also has rights to her earnings and her findings. Okay, so that's what we're up to over here. We're going to pick up on the very top line where the Mishnah told us, The father has rights to his daughter's earnings. How do we know that if his, his uh, daughter goes to work, yeah, his daughter's 10 years old, she goes to work, I know the father has rights to the earnings. Menolan, what's the source? Says the Gemara, Rav Huna says, in the name of Rav what's the source? Telling us that anything that a, that a uh, just for, as an example, 10-year-old daughter earns, goes to the father. A father has a right to sell his daughter as an Amavria, as a maidservant. Well, guess what a maidservant's responsibility is? To work for somebody. But just like if, if the father were to sell her, to somebody else as a maidservant, who's going to receive the earnings? Certainly the master. So you see from the fact that the father is able to sell his daughter as an Amavria, must be that he's got the rights, he has the authority over her earnings. And that's why he's able to sell the rights to her earnings. That's very nice, okay. That applies to a 10-year-old. We got it. She's a katana, she's a minor. Father has rights to sell his minor. Says the Gemara, however, you know, our Mishnah not only included a katana, a minor, but we also included a Nara. A Nara is a, is a girl, a young, a young woman, who hasn't yet reached the stage of Bogaris. She hasn't reached full-fledged female uh, maturity. So she's a Nara. And um, our Mishnah was including even a Nara giving the father the rights <clears throat> to her Maisiadine. Now here's the deal. A father is not allowed to sell his daughter who's a Nara as a Amavriya. But still the, mitzvah, the, the Mishnah is saying he's receiving her earnings. So here we have a case where he's not allowed to sell her, but he's still receiving her earnings. So ask the Gemara, maybe he shouldn't. Maybe she should get her own earnings because he has no right to sell her. So the Gemara says no. Even for a Nara, before she reaches full-fledged female maturity, Mistavra Diaviyahu, have a, it makes sense to say it goes to the father. Why? If you're going to say that whatever she earns remains with her and it doesn't go to the father. We know that even as a Nara, the father has a right to give her over to Chupa, to give her over to Nisuin. One second. A father still has a right to give her over to Chupa when... She's during these this six month period, we'll call it. Okay? Now, what right does the father have to give her over to marriage? Ready for this? But you're ruining her earnings. How can you do that? Ask the Gemara fascinating question. Listen closely. This is great. All right? And this is beautiful because I'm, we're, I'm currently uh, traveling on the East Coast, and ultimately we're headed to a location where there's a family wedding happening, Bez Hashem. 
on Wednesday night. Hopefully it'll take place in Yerushalayim, but if Mashiach's not here by then, then um, it's uh, supposed to take place right outside of Baltimore. But be it as it may, we're, we're, we're traveling in a couple days before for the wedding, right? And we're just aunts and uncles of the bride and groom. You have the, you have the family of the bride and groom, the bride and groom themselves. You know how much preparation goes into this? A lot. Ask the Gemara a beautiful question. If we know the father has a right to give over his daughter who's a Nara to marriage. When you make a wedding, you know what you're saying to your daughter? You have a chuppah to attend. You can't go and, and be the uh, cashier in the supermarket. You have a chuppah to go to. I'm marrying you off. Can the girl say to her father, no? Well, says the Gemara like this. If a father has rights to give his daughter over the chuppah, by definition that means that he has rights to her time. And if he has rights to her time and things that she's doing, he overrides anything else she would be doing. And, and he must have rights to her earnings as well. Otherwise, what right do you have to take her away from her job to go send her into it to have a chuppah? That's the Gemara's question over here. Fine. So the Gemara says, because of this logic, logic dictates, even if you don't have a direct source telling me that in the stage of Nara, the father gets her earnings, but from the fact that a father can send her over to a chuppah and take her away from, uh, uh, take her, away from her job, so she loses on earnings, it must be, he also has rights over her earnings. That's the inference the Gemara says. Paruch Rebachoy. Rebachoy asks a challenging question. He says, one second. Hold on. Ema, let's say, Maybe, he says, this is a beautiful concept. He says, maybe, even though the father has rights to chuppah, he has to pay her $15 that it takes her for the hour that she would have earned as a cashier. How do you know when the terrorist says that when he sends her to chuppah, it means he could take her away from her earnings? Maybe it means, you know, you have rights to her chuppah, but you got to pay her for her time. And you see that you can have a situation where the father has rights to chuppah, but he doesn't necessarily receive the earnings. So what's, let's, let's keep our mind on the big picture here. And therefore, by a nara, the father should not receive her maiseyadayim. So the Gemara says, Inami la So we say, well, first of all, I could tell you that maybe uh, he marries her off after hours when she didn't have a job. Belelia is at night. Make the chuppah 10 p.m. After she gets off of work, or and this is fascinating, you could say where he where uh, he married her off on Shabbos and Yomtiv, where you're not allowed to um, where uh, you're not allowed to get married. Now, according to this, according to this logic, ready? We're walking away right now. We're sticking on this on this topic for another step. But where we're holding right now, focus on the big picture is, we don't know that a father has rights to his Nara's earnings. We know he has rights to his Kitana. If his daughter's a minor who he could sell as an Amavria, clearly he has rights to her earnings. If he could make her a maidservant, you get her earnings. That we understand. But once she's a Nara, do you get her earnings? Bring me a proof. So the Gemara says, well, you can give her over to Chuppah. And the Gemara is basically saying here, Shkayach, just because you can give her over the chuppah doesn't mean anything, doesn't help me, because that doesn't necessarily impact her earnings in any way. So the Gemara says, you're right. Ella, rather, rather, 
really to know that a father receives his daughter's salary, his daughter earnings, that you don't even need a source. Because if you could sell her, you get her so therefore, what is the whole purpose of the Pasuk? Uh, is referring to a Nara. And this is going to be the source. You see from over here that not only is the father going to receive the Maisiadayim by a Kitana, but it's even going to extend to a Nara period. All right? So here's what happened. Let's just take a step back and get an overview. We thought we were learning out from Sukkim earlier that a father has rights to his daughter who's a to the earnings of his daughter who's a katana. We said, very nice, what about a nara? The Gemara said, oh, nara, well, you can give over the chopa. So the Gemara says, no, maybe it's two separate things. So the Gemara says, you're right. Katana, a minor for sure. That's logic. How do you know a nara? That's where we come and, uh, and learn it out from a pasuk, which we quote in the beginning of, es bitoi le'ama. Fine, beautiful. Next. We said also the father has rights He has rights to nullify the the hafara to, he has rights to nullify his daughter's vow. Says the Gemara Menolan, what's the source? Tikhsiv says in the Pasuk, Binorel Besavia, while she's a Nara in her father's house. See you see, she's in her father's house, she hasn't yet had an Asuan, she hasn't completely moved in with her husband yet. Even at the stage of Nara, he has rights to nullify her vows. Very straightforward from the verse, no conversation here. Fine. Then we said, If a father accepts stage one of marriage, what we call erison, the acquisition, on behalf of his daughter, and then the husband wants to divorce her. They haven't moved in yet. The husband wants to divorce her. We said the father can accept the get on behalf of the daughter. Says the Gemara Manolan, what's the source? Where do you know this from? Answers the Gemara again. Says in the Pasuk, Vahaisa. The same way she leaves and as a divorced woman, also, it's the same as she became a wife. Well, who accepted her marriage when she became a wife? The father. The same way the father accepted the marriage for his daughter, so too, the father, by the Yitzhiah, by the, le- by the leaving of the Erison, has a right, uh, has the ability to receive the get. Okay. Beautiful. Next, says the Gemara, Even though we said a father has a lot of rights to his daughter, to his daughter's earnings and so on and so forth, if his daughter has her own real property that's producing something, so while she's alive, he's not allowed to use that. That's her personal domain. So for example, what, you know, what we explained yesterday when we're learning the Mishnah is the following case. If you have a daughter that inherits property from her mother's side of the family. Now, that goes directly to her. The father has no rights to it. So you now have a young daughter that owns a field. She inherits 100 acres of, an, 100 acres of a field that's producing wheat. The father cannot use the wheat. It's not his. Can't use it. Completely his daughter's. Okay. Now, if his daughter were to die... The whole thing's his. He's the one who would inherit his daughter if she were to pass away. But while she's alive, in her lifetime, he doesn't get anything. Even though there's rights to other financial arrangements, this, he has no rights to at all. Okay, let's get into this, this uh, halacha of the Mishnah. Tanu Rabbanon, 
The rabbis learned, and so should we. Let's get going. A father does not have rights to eat the fruit from his daughter's land while she's alive, when it's directly hers. A father does have the right to get the produce while his daughter's alive, okay? So Rabbi Yossi, the son of Rabbi Yehuda, argues on what we learned in the Mishnah. Says the Gemara, what is the source of this machlokas? What's the source of this disagreement? Says the Gemara, Tanakama Savar, the Tanakama, who says the father has no rights to the produce. Holds When you have a husband that a wife brings a field into a marriage, we say the husband can, use, can receive the produce. You know why we say that to the husband? You know why we allow a husband, if a, if a wife comes to a, to a marriage, owning feels that he can get the produce? Because, because we want to make sure that her fields are kept up and remain valuable. So that if there's ever a time where she needs it, and the example what it means, means if she ever needs to be redeemed from captivity. Now you might say, listen, if a wife's taken captivity, wouldn't a husband go redeemer? You'd hope that. But let me ask you a question. Does it say that in Aksuba? Does it say, or for, take, take out Aksuba for a minute. Say in the Torah, before you get to the rabbinic suba, the say in the Torah that a husband's obligated there, right? Remind, reminds the, of of the joke. This guy, um, this guy uh, tells his friend. He says, uh, "My life, my wife lost my credit card." So his friend says, "No, so so you told Visa." He says, "No, the thief is spending less money than her. It's fine." See, <laughs> so he, he's fine with it, right? So he says, listen, all right, no. So, you know, th- this guy's got his, uh, he's got his thing with his money. He's a little, uh, he's a little uptight with his money. So we want to make sure that her property is kept up and kept available for anything that, that she ever might need. Ela'av, Michael Lamemar, but by a father, what are you going to say? If a daughter has land, he's going to allow that land to get ruined and he's not going to take care of the land. Belav hachi parikla. Even without that, he's going, to, uh, he's going to take care of it. And therefore, the Gemara explains, there's no, uh, the reasoning of the Tanakhama, why the father should not get rights to the produce, is because there's no reason to give him rights. There's no need. She gets no benefit. There's no benefit to her. You know why? Because anyway, the father's going to redeem her, which is unlike a wife. Now, this is surprising to us with our society and all the rules of marriage that we have. And... And, um, you know, remember, in, in the times of Mishnah Gemara, and maybe I shouldn't even be trying to understand what it is, because it's very hard in, in our own minds when we have the, the loyalty of marriage and the togetherness of marriage and the feelings of marriage, the intimacy of marriage. In, in earlier times, it wasn't always like that. You could have families where somebody had a number of wives, he had a number of wives to take care of, and very often it was just a matter of a transaction between husband and wife. Though the husband was there to offer the wife uh, financial support, make sure she was taken care of, she would help raise his family and bring his family to the world, and and it was you know a, a much more of a financial arrangement as opposed to the opportunity, which you know we're zocha, the merit that we have. 
is uh, you know everybody's got one wife and and that's it. Your kibbas are echad. It's, it's all one thing. There's no, especially in the Ashkenazic community, right? There's no such thing as having uh, as having more than one wife. So obviously, you know, just p- put our mind into this a little bit. You you might come up with a little bit of understanding why you can have a, a circumstance where the Gemara and the 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 halacha and the Torah is concerned. You may have a husband who says. You know, I don't know. This is wife number six. I'm married to six women. She's not doing much in this uh, transactional agreement. And uh, she was taken in captivity. All right. I don't know. You know, if, if I don't have the produce of the field, it's not up to me to make sure her field is, is completely kept up. <clears throat> but when somebody's literally your flesh and blood, somebody's your daughter, there's mu- there, there, it, it's much more surprising to the Gemara to say that a father's not going to take care of the daughter's of the daughter's field if he wouldn't get the produce. So we say anyway, he'll take care of it. Therefore there's no need to give him the produce. Fine. Now, Verbiasi Rebuta argued and he says no. He says that um, the a father could eat from the produce of the daughter. He says Avnami Savar Kisa Nikita Nafsha because a father might say like this. A father's going to say, "Listen, my, my daughter inherited good money. She inherited good real estate. She has land. She's got her own thing going. She's got her own bank account, we'll call it. No, she's got her own money. Why do I need to ransom her? Let her go ransom herself. Go spend it on yourself, right? If your your child could spend on herself, why they come into the parent uh, asking for money? She said, therefore, we allow the father to get the pro- to get the produce. This way, he'll make sure that her land is kept up in her trust as well. Period. Two dots. Gewaldic. Back to our Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Nisses, if the daughter not only had the first stage of marriage, but she had a complete marriage, she also had Nisuin. We said that the husband has an additional gain that a father would not have, which is he is allowed to eat the produce of the field. Right? Our Mishnah said the father does not get the produce of her personal field. And the and our Mishnah holds that a husband of Nesuin would get the produce of the field. Tanur Rabbana, the rabbis learned that's why they're rabbis. Kosov Laperis, Ksus, the Kalim. Okay. Now, if written into the shtar, written into the document, the father agrees to give the husband, along with his daughter, specific things. For example, produce, uh, ksus, clothing, kalim, vessels. I'm going to give this to the young married couple. These things are going to leave the father's home and go to the husband's home. And now Mesa. She dies. See this? They have a financial arrangement that the husband that the father is going to give the husband specific items to help them start out their new home. The halacha is if she dies, the husband cannot come and say to the father, give it to me now. You promised. You know why? Mishum Rav Nassim Amru, because they said in the name of Rav Nassim, however, Mishum Rav Nassim Amru, Zocha Habal, Bitvaram Halalu, the husband does have the, uh, does acquire these things. Okay, so fascinating. You have an acquisition that was made. You just, they just didn't move in together, and now she dies. So dispute whether the father has to follow through on what he promised 
to the husband. Now let's get into this. Lema, the plukta of Lazar ben Azari, let's say the machlaikas between the Tanakama and Rav Nosin is the same machlaikas that we had between Rav Lazar ben Azariah and the Chachamim. The Tanan, because we learned in a Mishnah. This Armala Ay Niskarsha. If you have a woman who becomes a widow or gets divorced, Bain ben Hanasuin, Bain ben Ha'irisin, whether she's divorced or widowed from the first stage of marriage, the second stage of marriage, Gaiva as Hakail. Okay, she gets everything. So her husband dies right after he puts a ring on her finger. The husband's estate has to pay out the full ksuba. They never moved in. The husband paid the full ksuba. If they already moved in together, that's where we say that that uh, she could collect her full ksuba. If it's from Erisin, then a Besula gets her 200, va'almana, mana. And the mana gets the standard mana, not any extras. Because the understood assumption is that anything that a husband writes in the Ksuba to his wife, besides for what he had to write, which is 100 or 200, that's guaranteed, that's automatic. But if he writes, uh, if we'd get divorced, I'll give you 200 zuz, plus my Lamborghini, plus my villa, plus my this, plus my dad, a Gansamaisa, right? He has on, and then she drops dead. So, I'm sorry, then he drops dead. But they didn't even move in together. Does his estate need to pay that all out? Says the Gemara, no, no, no. We have to assume that all those extras were assuming that it was with the understanding that we actually had a full marriage together. If we have a full marriage and you become completely my wife, I'll get everything else on. If it didn't work out that way, I'll give you the basic amount, but you didn't do anything that necessarily should, should tell the estate to give everything else to her. Says the Gemara. According to the opinion who says that there's no zechiah, there's no zechus, there's no merit to, to anything else. Now remember, this is referring to the father promising the husband and then the daughter dies. So if you say that the husband does not get what the father promised, that's the opinion of Rebbe Lazar ben Azariah, which is the understanding. That's the understanding. You, you, you were going to move in together, but now that you didn't, no, I don't need to follow through. And the other opinion, who says that if a father promises the husband all these extra things for the couple to start out, and then she dies, the husband does get it, because a man's as good as his word, and that's what you said. Kerabanan, that's going to follow the opinion of the Rabbanan, which in our other case was that when the husband dies, the daughter, the, the wife gets the full ksuba, even, the, even all the extras. So the Gemara here wants to combine the two disputes and say perhaps they work in tandem. Answers the Gemara, the Gemara, not answers, the Gemara responds, low, not necessarily. You cannot necessarily say that these two disputes work in tandem. Why? Maybe we could say, Everybody agrees with the halacha of Rabbi Lazar ben Azari. Rabbi Lazar ben Azari was the one who said that when a husband promised the wife not only her basic suba but everything else, all she gets is the basic amount. Maybe everybody agrees in that case. Now, let's explain how this would work out. Now, the one who says when the, husband, when the father promises the husband 
the husband does not get the extras, so then that we understood before goes like Rebbe Lozben Azariah. Because again, Rebbe Azariah was the one who says when a husband promises extra in the ksuba to the wife, she doesn't get it. So it makes sense when a father promises to the husband and his daughter dies before Nesuah, and he shouldn't get it either. That seems to work logically. However, Uman Damar Zacha, according to the opinion who says that the, there is rights, the, the husband does have rights to the additional amount from the husband, he's going to say like this. In the case of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, who says, let's remind ourselves, let's speak this out clearly. In the case of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, where you had a husband promise extra to his wife, and then she died before Nesuan. The, the, the estate, I'm sorry, the, I'm sorry, he died before, before Nesuan. Husband promised more to his wife, he died before Nesuan. Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah says, she doesn't get extra. That is because The understanding is I'm writing extra to you Because I plan on living the rest of my life together With you fully married And that never happened But when it comes to transferring funds From family to family So the, the girl's father promised Items and clothing to the husband, and then she died. Even Rebbe Lozab and Azariah, who in the other case says you get the basic amount, right? He's going to say, of course, that was that was um, about establishing the chasnas. Now this is fascinating. Chasnas is the marriage. It's a there's this is such a fascinating. Let me let's just read two, a few more words. And bottom line is, even though she died before Nesuin, the bottom line is Ichasne. Ichasne means marriage. I want to translate Ichasne. Ready for this? And I want I want to share this message. It's beautiful. Ichasne is mechutanim. He's saying that the Gemara is saying a beautiful logic. When a father of a girl has his daughter marry off to a man, and he promises the man extras, it's not based completely on moving in fully. You know what it's based upon? We're now mishpacha. We're mechutanim. Our families are together. Even if his daughter were to die, we now have a family relationship. There's a marriage that happened. Our families are related, and the assumption is that the time of the actual erison is enough of a connection built that this is what the father originally thought when he promised the extras to the husband. He didn't only promise the basic amount, he's promising the extras. Why? Just the satisfaction, the enjoyment of knowing that his daughter is now officially married to this man, to this fellow, and, the, and there's mechutanim. And the family's fascinating. In the non-Jewish world, there's no concept of mechutanim. Right? You don't have such a thing where like, oh, my daughter married your son and now we're related, we're mechutanim. Yeah? It's like, all right, so yeah, you know, it's like his, their father-in-law, that mother-in-law, but there's no like, we have this concept in Yiddishkeit where families come together. You, sell, you tell people, are you related? You say, through marriage, we're related. Taka, we're married, you know, we're related through marriage. There's, there's something to that as well. And that's what the Gemara is, uh, is focusing in on and saying, hey, if there was a valid marriage, 
even if they didn't ultimately move in, the father has to follow through on the promises to the new son-in-law. Okay. Beautiful. Next part of the Mishnah. Chayov bimzoy neisel. Once the girl, once the, the, this, this young girl is fully married, so the husband is chayev b'mzayneseha, he's obligated to fully support her. Tanu Rabbanon, the rabbis learned so shall we, tiknu m'zayneseha tachas maiseyadeha. You should know. Any husband has full obligation to support his wife with food as a bartering system for her earnings. You hear this? So, a wife's not obligated to go work. But you should know, if a wife does, a wife doesn't write exuba to the husband. A husband writes exuba to the wife. I'm going to support you. However, part of the obligation to feed one's wife corresponds to earnings, and therefore, um, a wife's earnings go to the husband because he's taking care of her food. Ukvurasa tachas ksuvasa. And if a wife dies, he's obligated to take care of her burial and all the, the expenses over there because of everything that's written down in the ksuba. In the ksuba, that's, part, that, that's uh, what, what we're writing, right? The husband says, if I die first, then you're going to receive the property. If she die, dies first, she's not receiving the other end of the ksuba. So what do you need to do to fulfill? What does a husband do to fulfill the ksuba? Takes care of the wife's burial. Therefore, therefore, because of this halacha, you ready for this? A husband can eat the fruit of his wife's fields. Says the Gemara, what are you talking about? Right? You just said that her earnings are in place of her food. Her burials in place of ksuba. And therefore, therefore what? Says the Gemara, Paris, Mad the Who was talking about fruits of a field? What does one have to do with anything? And so the Gemara, There's some words missing, and this is really how it's meant to be written. This is really how it's meant to be learned. The Chachamim established the obligation of Mezaynes, of feeding in place of her earnings. And also, to redeem her when taken in captivity because a husband has the rights to the fruits of her field. Ukfurasa, that, that's the extra word over there, right? That's what has to do with, with tachas peris. Where does, we ask, where does fruit come in? Captivity, like we learned on Amar Aleph. Ukfurasa, tachas ksuvasa, and he's obligated to take care of her burial because of, her, because of his ksuva obligation to her. Lafikach, ba'olecho peris. Therefore, the father, the, the husband, has a right to eat the fruit. Says the Gemara again. My lefikach. What do you mean? Therefore, the husband has a right. You 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 just told me how everything is tit for tat. How the how the transaction works. And now you're saying therefore eat the fruits. Was that Why are you throwing in those words? It didn't help me. So the Gemara says, I would have thought to say, that the 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 husband should not be allowed to eat the fruit. But you know what he should do? He should have to put it on the side. Meaning, turn it into money. Your wife has a field. It's growing apples. That apple has value. Instead of telling the husband to eat it, you know what we say to the husband? Go sell it and hold on to the money. Put in a savings account. Put in a mutual fund. The S&P 500. Leave it there. Keep it somewhere safe. And this way, if your wife's ever taken captive, you got the money. But keep it safe. 
right? Dimkain, because if because if he doesn't put the money aside, mim parik. He's sitting there busy eating apples, and his wife needs to be needs to be redeemed, and he's like, I don't got no money. Like, what do you don't have money? You've been eating apples from her field for the past forty years. That's in my belly. It's not in my bank account. So I would think that maybe he's he's obligated to to turn it into value. Kamash malan. Therefore, by saying lefikach it's letting us know deha adifa deha adifa. Meaning, it's better for the husband to eat the fruit than to put into a savings account. You know why? Zimnin Because here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. If you tell a husband not to eat the fruit, so he's going to say, "Okay, fine. What do you want me to do? Sell it? I'll sell it." Fine. So he starts selling the apples. And he puts it into a savings account. Shkoyach. So he puts a savings account. Guess what happens? Six months after he's married, his wife's taken into captivity. It's $10,000 to redeem her. He has $25.30 available. So a husband's going to say, $25.30, what do I have to do with this? That's all I have. Here's, I mean, what do you want? Take the money from my piggy bank. I can't do anything. Right? So... Therefore, we say, forget about the money. It's not about the money. You know what it's about? The rights to eating fruit. If six months after he gets married, his wife's taken into captivity, what's he going to say? I've only eaten apples for six months? That's God's fine. You've been eating from her field, we tell him. It's not about, it's not about how much money, you, how much you earn. You've been using her field? You get her out of captivity. It's $10,000? Doesn't matter. Take out a loan, figure this out. By you having rights to consume it, it's, it's in her better, she's better off. Is, uh, um, with it, it works more to her benefit to tell the husband, forget about needing to turn this into cash. Just use the rights, and the rights that you have to the fruit that gives her the rights that you're obligated to ever redeem her from captivity, no matter what the amount is. Says the Gemara. Okay, the Epoch Anna. How do you know that each one is tit for tat? Very interesting, right? I know this is for that, right? Uh, that um, the rights of the, the the rights of the fruit is for captivity and the ksuba is in place of the berry. Like, hey, no, it's, it works mamish like that. So the Gemara says, Amar Abaye, Tiknu Matsoi Lematsoi, Vishainai Matsoi, Lishainai Matsoi. Acham always established things that are found to things that are found and things that are not found to things that are not found. Meaning if something is more usual, something that's more common we're going to bring something that's more common for that. Every woman, it's common for a woman to eat. You need to eat. It's also common for a woman to work. So we're going to say things that are usual are to take place of things that are usual. And things that are unusual, for example, a woman being taken into captivity is an unusual circumstance. Also, a woman coming into a marriage where um, you know she happens to have her own real estate and her own stuff, that's not an everyday thing that's happening. So the Gemara is basically using logic to tell us how we know. Okay. Amar Rav says, We have a ton of a b'risa holding that the obligation for a husband to take care of his wife's mezaynais, wife's um, uh, food, is a biblical obligation at the time because we learned in a b'risa she'era. The Torah says that when a, a man takes a, a woman an additional wife, he's not allowed a lesson, she'era He's not allowed to lessen any of the original she'er 
ksus va'ina that he gave the first wife. A first wife cannot lose out on any of these things because there's an additional wife. Now, what are these three things? So she'era is mezaynus. Elu mezaynus. It's referring to financial support, food. V'cheinu aymer, simply it says, v'asher achlu she'er ami. Those who ate the food of my people. Okay. Ksusasa. A ksusa, I'm sorry, ksusa. What's ksus? Ksus is a garment. It's a clothing. Kemashmoy. So, there's not, nothing there, right? You, uh, same way your husband's obligated to make sure his wife's got respectable clothing. Just because you have a, another Rebetzin in town doesn't mean that you're allowed to take away from what you originally bought your first wife. Ainasa zu aina ha'amura b'tayra. Ainasa is referring to the intimacy, the, rela- the, 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 the marital relationship, the marital intimacy that it speaks about in the Tyra. Don't hold back or afflict Aina from my daughters. A husband's obligated to make sure that the Abishter's daughters are uh, are taken care of. That is Aina. So before we said Sha'ira is referring to food. Now we're saying Rabbalazar's opinion is Sha'ira is Aina. It's the focus on each other. It's the intimacy. It's the relation. It's the, the marital relations together. It says, Ish, ish, el kol she'er b'sarit, le'sikr v'lugal le'zervasa. Ksusa. What's clothing? He agrees. K'mashmai. The simple understanding, the simple uh, meaning of it. Aynasa elum is aynais. The aina, he says, is not referring to marital intimacy, marital relations. Rather, that's referring to mezaynais. V'chein hu aymar v'yancha v'yari v'cha. V'yancha, and they had inoit, there was affliction, v'yari v'cha. And there was hunger. So you see, you're not allowed to withhold food. You see, Aina, Inoi, is connected to food. That's opinion number two. Top of tomorrow's daf, and we'll end with this. Said, you know what, let's get to the two dots. Rabbi Lazbin Yaakov Aymer, Rabbi Lazbin Yaakov says, She'era Ksusa, when it says She'era Ksusa, Lefum She'era Tenksuva. According to her She'er, according to her physical needs, you have to give her clothing. What does that mean? It's a beautiful, beautiful concept, which is that a husband is obligated to give his wife clothing that is fitting of her stature. Not only with age, but with everything else. <clears throat> okay? You can't say to your wife, oh, the Torah says, I, should, uh, I, should, I have to make sure you have clothing. Okay, go, go wear uh, the, the, uh, a school uniform that the kids are wearing in high school. Go wear a high school uniform. Yeah, there's a gemach. There's a local gemach for high school uniforms. No, you're not allowed to do it. You have to give clothing that's bakovadik, respectable, acceptable within society for her age and her stage. Ksusasa va'inasa also teaches lefumainasa tein ksusa. According to her season of her body, that's what you give her clothing. It's also letting us know that it has to be proper for that season, for that time of year. If there, if now, you know, to to us guys, I to, to me this was a a big uh, culture shock when I uh, came into my marriage with uh, probably four pairs of dark pants and maybe eight white shirts. And a few t-shirts. And then uh, my wife's got a closet full of clothing with nothing to wear. And you ask, 
this is nothing to wear? And you get an answer, well, it depends on this season. You can't wear this, and he has to be, da, da, and there's a spurs in time. This type of hat is worn during this type of thing, and this type of shoe is during that, day, and this type of that. It's like, oh, what's going on? But the Gemara here is saying that as men, a husband's obligated to be cognizant of, uh, uh, call it women's, uh, women's seasonal uh, fashion needs. So there's a type of clothing that's worn in the summer. There's a type of clothing that's worn in the winter. I might wear the same white shirt throughout the year or, this, or the same uh, sweatshirt or whatever it is. But a, a husband's obligated to provide for, for uh, his wife in that fashion. Okay, Tanya Rabbi Yisif. Rabbi Yisif says, She'era zuk krev basar. She'era is referring to the closeness of the basar, closeness of skin, referring to marital intimacy. Which means that a husband is not allowed to treat his wife like a Persian. That have marital relations while they, while they uh, wear their clothing. Okay? Which means there has to be a real uh, connection. A real intimate connection that's taking place over there. There's a proof to Ravuna. A person says, listen... You know, I don't like uh, what my wife, uh, I, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, I'm not interested in anybody uh, being unclothed over here. And the only way for me to properly have relations is if everybody's, is if the two of us are wearing clothing. The is, the wife has a right to tell the husband, I'm out of here. And you're obligated to pay me the ksuba because you have an obligation of aina. If you don't fulfill the obligation of aina properly, the way that it's the way that it was uh, originally agreed upon, the wife can say, "Listen, he doesn't have proper respect for me. He doesn't respect what I look like. He doesn't care about uh, you know uh, really bonding uh, physically with me." And hence, she could demand a divorce and completely receive her ksuba. Gavaldik, we'll hold it here. Um, we'll hold it here for today, and uh, tomorrow we'll pick up from here tomorrow evening, same time, hopefully from Yerushalayim. Have a good night, everybody.